Perfection is not really a good starting point to find new ideas. To dare to go deliberately towards a mistake, that is quite nice. What advice do you have to become more comfortable with the idea of failing? You become too professional, which means that the street that you are on becoming much more narrow. Do you have a favourite quote? Life is too short to spend it with assholes. <laughs> Amelia, why are you looking at me? I yes. know, I know. <laughs> Welcome to the Being Human podcast with Amelia Vegting and Jez Francis. Brought to you by... Just add water. Hello, I'm Amelia Vegting. And I'm Jess Francis, and welcome to the Being Human podcast, where with special guests, we explore what it means to be human in this world we find ourselves living in. Jez, what are the headlines? There's got to be some allotment updates to share, surely. Yeah, so we're coming to the end of the growing season for this, my first year of crops, uh, some of which you and the team have sampled, haven't you? Yes, brought a bag of courgettes in, which were absolutely delicious. Although I did take them away and they were great, I do think that had we not have done, you might never have come back into the office again. <laughs> yes, as you snub my vegetables. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned, I have to say, that we're heading off on holiday soon and I haven't got anyone to go and water my patch. Would you like to...? Um, I, I don't actually know when you're going on holiday, but I think I might be busy on those dates. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll find someone else. But, uh, so, and Amelia, what about you? What are your headlines? Um, been a bit quieter since the last episode. Work's been busy, but also just enjoying summer in London. Have actually got George's wedding. George is one of our colleagues um, coming up soon, so that should be really good fun. Indeed. And I have to say, what I'm really excited about is for George's speech. Fingers crossed he is doing one because he is known for his one-liners and sniper-esque humour in the office, including giving nicknames to absolutely everyone. I mean, Jez, how many nicknames are you on now? Oh, I don't know. I, I lose count. <laughs> My favourite one of yours is Lentil Jerry, awarded to... <laughs> awarded to you as you tried being a vegetarian for a few weeks. I think, wasn't that like three years ago? It was a long time ago and it didn't last, but the nickname has, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, it spiraled into uh, Lenny, uh, LJ, <laughs> Lentil Von Lentilson. There's loads more. Recently, he's been calling me Arthur. Oh, yeah. That's because of Arthur Fowler from EastEnders, who's probably um, a bit before your time. But anyway, Arthur Fowler had an allotment and would, <laughs> and would regularly spend time down there as well. So, uh, yeah, George's nicknames are infamous. Yes, you're just incredibly nicknameable, Jez. I think I get Vegas from time to time in emails from George. Yeah, well, I think that suits you. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So today we're going to be discussing the universal experience of failure, and so I thought perhaps we could theme our boring things about me to be on the subject of failure. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. We can celebrate the humdrum, boring failures of our lives, um, and I've actually got one that only happened the other day. I can see that yawning, practically snoring. Is it because I'm boring? Well, that's life. Being human is being boring. Okay, so I was trying to be super organised the other week and I did my first Tesco's um, online order to arrive on Sunday at 9am was my slot, ready to cook my lunches for the week, you know, my dinners so I could sit back, relax, you know, really feel like I've got myself together. Um, woke up 8.30, waiting for my van to arrive, eagerly, I might add, was very excited. Phone rings, doorbell doesn't, but I don't worry about it because he might be lost trying to navigate where my flat is. 
And he says, hi, is this Amelia with a Tesco's order? And I positively replied going, yes, it is. Are you outside? And he said, yes, I am outside, but I think I'm at your parents' house. Of (laughs) which I I know, of which I could then hear my mum's laugh (laughs) cracking up. Um, She's obviously standing next to him. And it turns out that I had sent my Tesco's order to my billing address instead of my delivery address. So that was an utter fail and perhaps serves me right for trying to be so so smug and organised waiting for him to arrive. But it did all arrive by Tuesday evening. Um, but yes, that was a, an utter fail for a Sunday morning. What about you, Jez? What's your failure boring thing about me? My failure story, recent failure story, involves cars and punctures. How does that sound? Great place to start. Uh, as always, it's a bit, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, my car had a flat tyre a couple of weekends ago, um, which wasn't ideal because I had a hectic weekend of ferrying teenagers ahead of me. Um, but look, I know my way around a jack and, mm-hmm. a, and, a, and a spare tyre. I can sort this. Okay. So uh, as I was thinking this, however, something in the back of my mind was kind of... Oh, God. Na- there was this nagging doubt. And it was as I lifted the spare tyre out of the boot mm. and set it down that I remembered the slight flaw in my plan. <laughs> so about six months ago, I hit a pothole near us. Oh, no. And I completely shredded a tyre. So I stopped the car, changed the wheel, made a note to myself that I needed to get the tyre and actually the wheel replaced as well because there was a big dent in it. And then, of course, completely forgot to do that. So um, until the moment I needed a functioning spare <laughs> wheel. So to cut a long story short, I managed to get myself... And the spare wheel, a lift to the tyre centre where they replaced the wheel and fitted a new tyre to that spare, which allowed me to then go home with the wheel, right? fit it to the car, and right. then get the car back to the tyre shop to re- repair tyre number two. Gosh. Uh, I think the bloke at QuickFit must have thought I was getting punctures on purpose <laughs> so I could pop you, in and you see you enjoy him. doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, look, enough about me and my car trouble. I think this is the perfect time to bring on our guest who actively seeks out failure to unleash his potential. Joining us this episode on the Being Human podcast is Eric Kessels, artist, designer, author and curator, passionate about turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. Eric has ventured into lots of different areas in his career, from co-founding a communications and marketing agency as well as fulfilling his artistic license through his photography, installations and exhibitions. Eric's ability to find fascination and beauty in the ordinary, and importantly when things didn't go to plan, have led to publishing books including Failed It, How to Turn Mistakes into Ideas and Other Advice for Successfully Screwing Up. Eric, welcome to the Being Human podcast. Thank you. Before we dive into all things failure and uh, mistakes, we'd like to ask you a few questions about who you are and what makes you tick. Perfect, yeah. So let me ask you then, what's made you smile this week? I'm uh, for a holiday in Italy, and in a way, uh, what made me the most smile was a story that I heard today. And uh, I mean, it came also out of a failure, but uh, I met a very small uh, wine producer, like somebody who lives in the middle of nowhere, and he told me that one day... He went back home and he lost his key. So he couldn't get into the house anymore and he was kind of panicking. But then he uh, called one of the cats in the house. I mean, the cats knew how to open the door from the inside. So uh, that was really beautiful that this vision, how a cat opened the door for him. And yeah, that uh, that made me really much smile. (laughs) That's a brilliant story. 
what would be your go-to karaoke song and why? I mean, uh, there's there's uh, two things in life that I really hate. It's like uh, <laughs> karaoke and uh, reggae music. So, <laughs> I mean, I really get like, I, I don't want to be uh, uh, insulting the people that love reggae, but I need to leave a, a restaurant <laughs> or a bar when they play uh, reggae music because otherwise it's uh, like other people that have an allergy. I have an allergy for... I mean, I, I would love it uh, to listen to it, but I, I can't just stand it. But the same is also for karaoke. So, I mean, I, I was a singer before in a metal band. Ah. But, uh, so I've, I've been uh, making music, but... Uh, what was the name of your metal band? Yeah, I, I, I don't really want to go. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> I don't really want to go into that. Okay, it. fine. Fair enough. Because I, I remember that I being a, a designer and more making concepts that I just named the band after the phone code of, of the city I lived in. And uh, I thought that was a really nice name for a band. But uh, after a while, the, the band members thought it was not metal enough and it was not, uh, so they named it differently. But I, I don't want to repeat that name. It's terrible. <laughs> Fair enough. Eric, what did you want to be when you were young? Yeah, I, since I was five years old, I always wanted to be a shop window dresser. And um, again, I was born in a very small town in the south of Holland, and probably that was the only creative job that I saw in the in the village mm. because there were uh, some shops, and and yeah, there was one shop window dresser who traveled through the area and did these shops, and I thought I also want to be that. So I waited eleven years until I could go to a school where uh, you could become a shop window dresser unbelievable but it exists uh, that wow. there's school for a shop window dresser and went there i was 16 when i when i checked into the school yeah i did the first lesson but uh after one hour i really didn't like it so <laughs> it was really a big failure also to kind of uh wait 11 years and not even try it but uh, luckily enough there were other things like with drawing and designing mm. and marketing in that school so found some new passions yeah do you have a favorite quote i think so yeah that's it's, it's uh life is too short to spend it with assholes amelia <laughs> amelia why are you looking at me I yeah. Know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah suddenly having to rethink where i sit in the office <laughs> no but i mean uh, what i mean with that uh i mean it's a quote of myself but uh what i mean with that is that in working life and you know when you work with people whatever job you do if you look back at it, the most successful work you always make with people that you really like yeah. and where you have a professional click with and where you, you know, that that, that uh, you have respect for each other in a, in a professional way. Yeah, there, some people are just assholes. That's, I mean, it's fine, but uh, it's good to, to decide not to work with them then. Mm. They can work with other assholes. Thank you for that. I think we get a feel for who you are yeah. and what makes you take on certainly what's important to you. <laughs> Let's dive into our topic for today. So, you know, how do you define failure in the first instance? Failure, uh, of course, f first of all, I think it's uh, quite good to be clear that when I'm talking about failure and also in the book that I made, it has mostly to do with uh, professional failures. Eh? So, And then not even the failures that you really uh, fuck up uh, with something. Because nowadays, everything is so going towards perfection. And, you know, the, the computers we use, the application, the photo cameras we have, 
everything is there and it has a technological uh, top level and it doesn't make any mistake anymore. So I think it's very important to deliberately go towards a mistake in your thinking process, in the route you dare to take in your uh, mind. And then, you know, like, because perfection is not really a good starting point for to find new ideas and Mm. to find new ways of thinking and, and new innovations. I think the imperfections and the failures are much more interesting with that. Of course, on a personal level, you know, like everybody makes mistakes and you learn from that. And uh, But that is a different thing. You know, we, we make mistakes on a daily basis. But to dare to go deliberately towards a mistake, that is quite, uh, quite nice. I also really compare this often with uh, the front yard and the backyard of your house, you know, metaphorically, because... The front yard of the house there there is you know it's it's your shop window almost you have everything in there you uh, everything is perfect you like to show your front yard to the rest of the world but your backyard is often like a mess and uh, you you build a fence around it people you don't want people to look into there but that is the place where the failures happen where unfinished projects are things like that so uh, and then when you find something and you made your failures in the backyard, yeah, you can bring them to the front yard and show them to people. Was there something that happened earlier on in your sort of career or something that initially sort of sparked uh, your interest in looking at this in a different way or purposefully looking towards failure as a creative engine? Yeah, my, my kind of uh, passion for imperfection comes... Maybe the most obvious one is that I I have worked uh, for many, many years in uh, design and advertising. And there, yeah, perfection is always the goal. And uh, especially in advertising, uh, you know, this is uh, really uh, an opportunistic uh, uh, industry where everything should be perfect and everything should be sunny metaphorically and everything. uh, But uh, even in that uh, world where, where I worked, yeah, I was always pushing for the for the imperfections and for something uh, to look at it in a different way and how you could look at it in a different way. But um, another thing in in my uh, early life, when I was eleven years old, my my sister died. Uh, she was uh, nine. Of course, imperfect uh, occasion, of course, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I mean, I uh, from that moment on, my parents have grieved uh, many, many years for this, and and were also, yeah, looking for instance for her last picture, mm. uh, which wasn't a very beautiful picture, but it was it was her last picture that uh, was taken of her, and um, yeah, for instance, they cropped this image only with her on it. They uh, made it black and white. They enlarged it, and it was a very uh, out of focus, blurry bad composition photograph but uh, yeah like i i think that also that 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 image was is always have been hanging in uh, our family's living room and uh, yeah. yeah the the fact uh, that you grow up with that and that you live with that and um, yeah that that also shows that beauty you know like in that case a beautiful photograph it doesn't have to be always a beautiful photograph to be meaningful and to have a certain uh, um, yeah, like a strong uh, emotion. No, absolutely. And I'm sorry to hear that, Eric. No, no, but it's uh, like something you, that my family, I mean, that is a very uh, good thing that um, in the family, like when you t- 
talk about it from an early age, it's something you can really uh, live with yeah. and uh, you can, you slowly, when you're not talking about it, uh, it's a more complicated thing, of mm. course. When it comes to failure, people initially view failure, you know, or mistakes as something that's very negative. How, you know, how did you or what do you think people can do to shift their mindset to view it more positively? I mean, of course, failure is uh, seen as a bad thing in society because if you may, you you cannot make mistakes. You yeah. they teach you to avoid that. Uh, for instance, when I'm thinking about a new idea and I get stuck in my mind, which happens often, because for instance, coming up with uh, ideas for something is not something that you are you're not born with the talent to to uh, come up with brilliant ideas. Mm-hmm. You know that's impossible. You have to teach yourself you have to you have to really practice that and that and do it a lot but in my case when i'm uh, stuck with ideas i i just uh, bring in a word from outside like a priest or washing machine or highway or just a word that comes up to me that has nothing to do with where i'm thinking about mm. and then i try to make a combination with that word and and my thought that i have and suddenly it uh, completely opens up because there is a word conflicting my thought and uh, and it has nothing to do with it and and suddenly uh, there is a new opening and uh, so you know either you also you can turn things upside down literally or make it larger or make it smaller yeah, yeah it's a bit like you have to uh, juggle with your thoughts and uh, push them in directions where it's uh, normally not really uh, possible to uh, to push them yeah and create some new possibilities what you said about you know we're not encouraged to make mistakes is so true and if I think back to well my time at school and now my children's time at school you know that there's this very kind of binary there's a sort of a right and a wrong answer for everything and you have to have the right answer and and we we sort of drive variance and and inefficiency out of Mm. systems and things are supposed to work in a perfect way and of course you know when you look at nature and the kind of a, a more real existence that's just not how it happens no yeah, that's also funny. For instance, with that, people always really admire ch- children's drawings, and uh, you know, of course, but that's true because they are completely—they uh, <laughs> have no, yeah, you know, no feeling of uh, perfect or imperfect no. or right or wrong. They just do until they get like uh, taught that uh, the sky is blue and the grass is green. Yeah. But, and and the funny thing is, like when people get really when they when they are very old again then they lose that again. And then we also like the image, we like the drawings of very old people as well. But all the time in between, we are almost pushed into a cursed life. It's so interesting. I also find other people's, well, and my own, but but in particular, stories of failure. Yeah. You know, stories where things haven't initially gone to plan. Yeah, for instance, I have an example of a, a book I made where, I mean, it's that's such a beautiful failure that uh, I found this family album of a of a family that is kind of fighting against one of the biggest mysteries in photography, and that's how to shoot my black dog. Oh, yeah. So they had, they had like a black dog, but they had also a Polaroid camera, which, of course, at that time the film was not perfectly uh, uh, dividing uh, and shifting certain colors. So when something was very light, it became on the on the film very light. And when something was very dark, it became very dark. So 
this family was 12 years uh, fighting to <laughs> take pictures of the dog and it completely failed. It was a big phantom <laughs> in the image. Uh, so so for 12 years, you just see a black cutout sitting on the sofa or yeah. uh, in, the in the living room or even outdoor in the, in the sun. But, uh, but then at the end of the album, they probably found out that you can also fiddle with the camera and that you can overexpose it a little bit. Mm. So they really overexposed the images with the dog on. And then for the rest, the surrounding was completely bleached out. Uh, and that was the only time that you saw uh, the eyes of the dog uh, in the whole <laughs> album. And that's beautiful, these kind of things, because it's also a very human failure. Yeah, I had a read of your book because those selections of photographs are in your book, Failed It. And that was one thing that when I was showing Jez, it's really stood out to me because even, you know, seeing this effectively big, furry black blob in the front of the photos, you saw the homeliness and the kind of love for that dog still within those photos, even though it looked like a fluffy cushion at the side. You could, you know, you could still feel that within a photo that wasn't a perfect, you know, dog beaming into an iPhone camera. So no, you're right. That's a be It's a really beautiful collection of photos. Eric, have any stories of other people's failure um, sort of inspired you and, and your work? I mean, I'm, I'm generally very much uh, inspired by... Uh, because for myself, I also use a lot of uh, found footage, a lot of amateur mm. uh, uh, photographs. But yeah, amateurs are a very big inspiration for me yeah. because they almost have a narrow view in a very positive way. They are not extracted from a lot of things that are going on around them and what other people say. And they are very much uh, daring to make uh, mistakes. Yeah. How can we remain amateurish in our thinking and approach towards our work, do you think, in a world which pushes us towards kind of perfection yeah. and, and professionalism? And professionalism? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a good uh, question, of course, because I don't think that being professional is something very bad. Of course not. But there is a trap a little bit that you become too professional, which means that the street that you are on, metaphorically, is becoming much more narrow because mm. everything is uh, dominated from the outside. People tell you what to do. You have to find your own way. But sometimes at one point, you, you there's no way of uh, going back anymore. It is very good to also remember like uh, where you started. I have uh, works of myself that I made when I was 11 or 12 years old. And I sometimes look at them because I... I still find them very stupid <laughs> and very bad, but it's quite nice to see like how your fascination started mm. and also to see that you did not start as a professional. You know, you have become a professional because you make many, many hours in something and then suddenly people call you a professional. But, you know, the, the same thing is that as an example, uh, but it's also a metaphor again, where if your navigation on your phone tells you, you know, we know exactly where to go. You know, like if you want to go somewhere, we know that this thing brings us there, you know, the the, the app brings yeah. us there. But then uh, when you deliberately take a wrong road, the person in the app is getting crazy, <laughs> like turn around, turn around. I mean, you make a mistake, uh, go back. And then when you go on in the wrong way, yeah, suddenly you end up in a very nice town that you never went uh, before. So true. And, uh, yeah. So that is, uh, and then eventually the person also starts to shut up because you are too far away from the main road, <laughs> and then you can enjoy where you are. 
I, I'm getting also more and more frustrated and irritated by everything that is uh, trying to be perfect yeah. and trying and all the influences from outside that w- uh, want you to be perfect. Yeah. You know, like uh, when on my computer, when it says unknown error or something, I find that very interesting. I'm, 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 I want to look what that unknown error is, you know, like I think like, wow, I have today an unknown error. That's exciting, you know, but because what is it that is the error? And uh I mean, it's stupid, but uh, no, it's also very good to uh, to be stupid, you know, like to, uh, oh, and to ask behave why. stupid. Yeah, to yeah. Keep, yeah, keep asking the question why and to be curious. I sense a sort of a theme, maybe this is about framing failure and deciding who who gets to call the situation you find yourself in or the piece of work you've created or the project that you've delivered a failure or not. So it, it's almost about sort of, by by whose yardstick, by whose ruler? I might choose to look at this as a fantastic opportunity, mm. a super success, something that's opened my eyes to a different way of thinking or being or doing or product or whatever it might be. It may be a failure by the de- very narrow definition of, yeah. of what I set out to do, some arbitrary objectives that were drawn in the sand at the start of this particular endeavor. Yeah, and there's also, of course, the expectation because everybody also wants to be liked, you know, like... On online, uh, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, uh, like, 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 you know, but it's very nice to be also disliked, you know, like when you make something, we you also want to always w- that people li- uh, really uh, love your work, you know, but it's it's quite nice when it's very much divided, you know, when when I have it, when there were the work that I made, sometimes there were a lot of people that really liked it, but there were also a lot of people that really hated it. And when you have both those two extremes, then you know that you're good, you know, because, uh, for instance, I asked recently someone that went to an exhibition in a museum. I asked the person like, and how was the exhibition? She said like, yeah, it was okay. I mean, how, how terrible is that, that a museum makes an exhibition and, and somebody says it was okay, Yeah, you yeah. know, especially in a museum. You know, in a museum, either it should be fantastic or it should be uh, really bad, but everything in the middle is... Uh, but that's also probably why my family doesn't want to go with me to a museum anymore because <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm, only, uh, I'm only telling uh, them like, oh, I hate this, I find that shit, I hate that. <laughs> And then suddenly I see one thing and I'm I'm so excited about it that I cannot sleep anymore for uh, several days yeah. because I find it so brilliant and uh, I love that. Uh, that is the purpose of a museum also or of art that you yeah, to create an that opinion. It's really extreme an extreme emotion that you often don't find in normal society. Yeah, definitely. Eric, let me ask you for those individuals that haven't either mastered sort of the acceptance or the or understood the value of failure um, or perhaps are fearful of judgment of others what advice do you have to encourage people to become more comfortable with the idea of failing and to sort of seek out opportunities to learn in that way yeah i think in 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 general it's also a mental thing eh? like uh, because you need to almost give yourself a little bit of self therapy to let go in, in my case, when I sometimes come up with ideas in my mind, they are so bad. I mean, I, I, I do it uh, for such a long time and I'm really embarrassed that I come up with such stereotypical ideas. But of course, I don't have to share that with uh, with everyone, you know, I, thank God, because they would, they would think like, what the, what is he doing? And, uh, you know, so to 
successfully fail is also a training in yourself that you uh, dare to let in also the really bad and really horrible thoughts. Yeah. Because it's uh, you have to go through a big, thick forest of trees and you have to push yourself through. Uh, and it's very frustrating and until you end up in a kind of an open, open space mm. uh, in the middle of the forest, maybe surrounded by all the trees where there is some open ground where there's still some things to uh, discover. So, yeah, you can simply do this by just uh, in yourself, throw away uh, a lot of the thoughts you have and park them and come up with new ones and go on until it's almost painfully uh, and, and very embarrassing in yourself. Then eventually you will find a new ground and you find uh, an idea that you would never expect that you have that idea, that it could come out of you. I think one thing when it comes to failure is that some people are afraid of failing due to, you know, the fear of judgment from others or fear of shame of being part of it. What advice would you have for people to support and celebrate the failure of others and make that part of our culture? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, many of the... Uh, Shall I ask the question in a... I think I've failed to this question. We but, failed at uh, this question, which is good, because <laughs> it's going to push us in a new direction. I, I, really, uh, I really got blocked uh, in that, uh, yeah. I, I suppose it's how can we be better recipients of others' failures? How How can we encourage people to be brave i think uh, in first of all it's also very important to uh, listen to people eh? like uh, i mean a lot of people especially also in uh, professional life and in people that are very confident they are naturally confident this is a uh, not a very good uh, qualification when you are very confident you know because you miss out on a lot of things so true you need to be uh, insecure very uh, uh, unconfident with with with, uh, with yourself mm. and to try to do that is not an easy thing but it's also a bit of a game you know because of course in in uh, my case also i use the technique to become insecure make failures uh, make stupid mistakes in my mind in, in my thinking but then in the end when i find an idea i finish it in the best possible way and that is then uh in a way, then at the very last moment, the perfection comes in. Society is also, of course, pushing for everybody everybody to be confident and uh, and uh, secure about themselves. Yeah, and, and certain. I think the opposite is uh, when you show somebody that you are weak, it opens up the conversation and you get yeah. very much more closer to someone. Eric, I have to ask, I was on your um, website not too long ago and there is um, a whole section of it dedicated to pictures of um, toilets that are either totally unable to be used because there's about three without any walls or frankly not where you would expect a, to a toilet to be. Where did the inspiration for that whole section come from and how did you find so many photos? When I made my website just with my artistic work on, I thought like... Um 
why is it that there are so many websites, but there is no website with a toilet on there because you cannot go to the toilet on the website. <laughs> so that's just like, a, I mean, if you go to a restaurant or in your house, you can go to a toilet, even in a company they have toilets or, but on the website, which is like a big uh, part of our life, there is no toilet. So uh, you made a place for that to happen. Then I show all these pictures that I take uh, during journeys over the years because toilets are the, the least taken care after places in, in, uh, in our house or in a restaurant. On normal toilets, they want as many people as possible in because there's often no privacy. They forget the walls. They, uh, there's beautiful failures to uh, find in um, toilets. There's also one beautiful picture where you see that the door couldn't really open because uh, it would hit uh, the seat of the toilet. So they made like an alteration and a little opening in the door so that it would still be possible to open. And, uh, but, but no and longer any privacy. Things, you know? <laughs> yeah, but these are things that I really uh, like because these are smart human uh, failures and, yeah. and uh, little alterations to make life a little bit more easy for them. But to look at it, it's fantastic. And uh, I think that would be really powerful for people to do in, the, in, their, in their world of work as well. Yeah. How liberating would it be to have a, an insight into, in a curious way, not a judgmental no, way, no. but just a curious way, all the things that don't go to plan at work, the goals that were missed, the deadlines that, yeah, exactly. that, that weren't hit, and all the fantastic things that happen as a result. Yeah. You know, people talk about the Sydney Opera House, don't they, as the as the good example of kind of project management failure, you know, years over late being delivered, um, millions and millions of Australian dollars over budget, and at the time was was seen as a sort of a, a catastrophic failure of project management. And yet it is one of the most majestic, celebrated, mm. memorable buildings in the world that has, yeah. you know, that's witnessed some of the most wonderful productions as well. So I think there's an interesting thing on failure as well, which is all about kind of, context and 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 the time what what can feel like a failure right now in the moment with the passage of time can be seen in a very different way and has there's a, there's a lovely story isn't there about the farmer who had a horse whose horse one day disappeared and the neighboring farmer said to him how terrible and the farmer said, yeah, maybe so, maybe so. And then the following day, the horse returned mm. and it had brought a friend back that it had met, a wild horse. So now the neighbour says, you know, how wonderful. You you now have two horses. And the mm. farmer says, well, you know, maybe so. And then the following day, his son falls from the second horse trying to tame it, the wild horse, and breaks his leg. And the guy says, oh, how terrible. How, what, a, what a failure. What a disaster. Mm. You, you know, your son's broken his leg. And the guy says, well, maybe so. And then the following day, the, the local army are coming through the village and conscripting young men to be soldiers, and they can't take his son because mm. he has a broken leg. Oh, how wonderful, how wonderful, they can't take your son. And the chap says, maybe so. So, Is this a very long story? Or, uh... No, no, I've finished that. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, Eric. Is this, is this it? Or I don't think Eric liked my story. <laughs> Never mind. Eric, thank you so much for joining us on um, the Being Human podcast. We've absolutely loved having you on and having it's your perspective on what on what failure and mistakes can bring to the world. Cool. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. So what did you make of all of that then, Amelia? I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I thought Eric brought a really different 
perspective to failure, actively seeking mistakes and errors, you know, being really intrigued when things go wrong rather than really annoyed. You know, his example of the unknown error appearing yeah. in your computer screen. Most people would be banging their keyboards and, you know, about to launch their computer at the side of the wall when that happens. Yep. But he views it as a positive and that perspective and that mindset towards problems when they arise can open up a whole world of different possibilities. So I think when I'm next facing either a new problem or even, you know, something that I've tackled before reoccurring, searching intently for mistakes um, is something that I'm going to try and do rather than solely focusing just on achieving that end goal. But what about you, Jez? Like you, I found that extremely thought-provoking. Um, I think if I'm honest with myself, in some parts of my life, I'm someone who plays it safe, generally. Mm. Um, largely, I suspect because I, I, you know, fear the the judgment of others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to try to be more open to things I do going wrong, and I'll let you know how I get on yeah, with do. that uh, emotionally, <laughs> <laughs> and what I learn as a result. Um, the other thing I heard was was how we can all help to create an environment where others are more comfortable with experimenting and yeah. and inevitably things going wrong. I liked the idea of holding a position of curiosity, of being less certain or yeah. confident. I think yes, was the word he confident, used. Yeah. And being less judgmental as well and allowing time and space for opportunity to emerge from things not going to plan. Mm. And obviously I'm going to have to work on my horse story as well. (laughs) Absolutely. (coughs) So just before we go, um, I wanted to mention that we have a live Being Human event all about failure coming up in London on September the 13th. So if you would like to find out a bit more about what we will be doing and reserve a place, please do get in touch. Um, You can find our contact details in the series description. Well, that's all from us today. And in the spirit of celebrating our mistake, Take a listen to the bloopers right at the end of the podcast. We definitely don't get it right first time, every time. (laughs) You've been listening to the Being Human podcast. Brought to you by Just Add Water. Nurturing individual brilliance. Forging collective strength. happened there i don't know i lip smacked and kind of <laughs> and hiccuped at the same time <laughs> horrendous and now you've just added a snorting <clears throat> oh, there was this uh silence painful uh quietness <laughs> in, uh, maybe it was intentional uh, because you want to fail yourself and uh, as interviewers but uh <laughs> Can I have a glass of water please my mouth is dry <laughs>